Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I'm drunk. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Some Dumb Chicks. <laughs> drunk condition. <laughs> I just can't even take myself seriously at all. I'm already like looking at this through the lens of myself listening to the episode. I'm like, you're annoying. <laughs> the anxiety or hilarious that we're going to have. Nah, I think I'll be fine. Because I, whatever, we did a thing. We got drunk. It happens. It was really fun. I enjoyed myself. Um, <laughs> minus all of the million technical difficulties. Minus all the technical difficulties. We'll have to try it again. Maybe we'll make this like a once a quarter <laughs> special, <laughs> like every three months or something. We'll get drunk for you guys. If you want to hear it, because this could just, uh, it could just it, not work out. It could only be entertaining to us. Should we do our normal thing? I, I feel like we should have recorded the normal thing, the normal part. While we were sober. Before, but. Probably. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> How are you? <laughs> we're going to try. We're going to try. Let's go through the motions. This week has been, it's been a low week for me. I think you, you're experiencing drop, which is like an emotion. You had an extremely emotionally stimulating and like exerting mm-hmm. five days on your trip. Where there was yeah. just so much stimulation, like overstimulation and physical as well. Mm-hmm. And now you're just like your tanks are empty. Yeah. Like I <clears throat> haven't done much this week. Yeah. And like anything I have done has taken a lot out of me. That's okay. That's I, normal. I just hate it though. Like I just hate like not feeling productive and I fa- and I just hate knowing that there's stuff I need to do but I just don't have it in me to do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the most frustrating but part. But like is it anything that's like make or break that you have to do them while you know it's not going to be like your best effort? No, it's nothing like that. Yeah, and, so forgive yourself. Yeah, and like I also I had a rough day on Wednesday because Tuesday was my first day back at work mm-hmm. and I was fine and everything was great and everyone was so happy they were like oh my gosh we miss you so much and then on Wednesday because we're just so busy like I'm doing a million things I made a mistake at work that I haven't made in probably like at least two years maybe three years and it was just like a dumb mistake and I'm so used to working in an environment and on a team and for a manager where mistakes are like the end of the world. Um, even though we're human, so we're bound to make mistakes. And so I was just like, I reacted in the way as if I was still working for teams like that, which I don't work for a team like that anymore. Like they understand. Yeah. But you were in a trauma response. Yeah. And I just like, and like in the person, you know, that I had to tell that I made the mistake to was just like, well, can you fix it? And I was like, I'm trying to fix it. And I was able to fix it. And so it was totally fine, but it didn't matter in my head. Like you already still... went through the emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and and it, so it, the rest of my day was you're just, just spent. Like, yeah, I was just like over. It. I didn't want to do anything. I don't think I did anything. Um, I think I had plans after work and I was just like, I can't like 
leave my house right now. Yeah. And so that's just frustrating. But I mean, that happens every so often. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I have to be kind to myself in the same way that I'd be kind to somebody else. Yeah. But it's harder. It's harder to be kind to myself than it is to be kind to other people. How about you? The pendulum swings. Always. Um, I am also, I was having, I've been having a really low self-esteem, um, cycle mm-hmm. and really been trying to like be kinder to myself or like talk better to myself about myself. I feel like I'm hitting a little bit of a plateau with just my health journey, mm-hmm. um, that I'm trying to work through. And I like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Like I have been living in leggings and t-shirts, you know, outside of, I went through dress ember where I was wearing, getting dressed every day and taking mm-hmm. a picture of myself every day which was like even the original goal of my own dress, like personal dress streak was like to break out of the depression, break out of the funk and like get dressed and get more comfortable taking photos of myself and like sharing them. Yeah. So I think I hit just like the downswing of that. I went to the other end of the spectrum after December ended and I didn't have to get dressed and I didn't have to show myself to the world, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people during the pandemic have been experiencing already. Um, that I just fell back into this comfortable slump of like, I don't have to show myself on work meetings, like on camera. I don't have to get dressed. I'm just, I just got really comfortable in comfortable clothes. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I hated all my other clothes. But so I decided one day I woke up and I cleaned out my closet and I filled up two trash bags to donate. I said, when I bring these bags in to donate, I'm going to give myself like a $30 thrift store budget Mm -hmm. and try to find some new things that like are just new to me, might make, might fit me better, might just kind of refresh my outlook on things. And it kind of worked. But this one pair of pants, I was like, I don't know if this is going to fit me. Yeah. Um, But I really like them. I can tell that they're going to be long enough for me, which is important because I'm tall. Um... (laughs) And finding pants that are long and fit nice is rare. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just don't know. But given like that, I'm feeling really down about what my body feels like right now. I don't know if this size technically fits me. But they looked like they might. So I spent the money. They were a little bit higher of a price for this thrift store, too, because they're a nice brand. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to take the risk. Stayed within my budget for everything else. So I sacrificed some other things in order to get these pants that I wasn't sure about. I got them. They did fit. They're good. Mm-hmm. I wore them last mm-hmm. night out to dinner. Uh-huh. And they ripped in the crotch. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it kind of it kind of sucked because I was feeling low. I picked myself back up by like getting a few new pieces for myself and I was feeling really confident yesterday. I was like, my makeup looks good, my skin's looking good. Mm-hmm. These pants fit me nicely. I'm feeling thinner, you know, that's shallow. Whatever. I felt good when I went out to dinner for a friend's birthday last night. And then I just, it was like the universe was like, no, we need to humble you just a little bit. I was laughing about it on the outside. Yeah. But I was definitely so insecure and self-conscious about it for like the whole night. Yeah. That sucks. I tried my best. Sometimes you don't succeed. And I mean, like, that's something where it's like, because they're not brand new, it has to do with like how they were taken care of by whoever donated them. Yeah. You know, so it's like not a reflection of like, them not like fitting you or like things like that but it still like messes with you so why are we drunk (laughs) 
Um, we're drunk because we did a TikTok challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Tipsy Tinder. Tipsy Tinder. It was a little drinking game, and to get like the full rules and uh, the experience that we had with this game, you're gonna have to tune back into our Instagram page on Wednesday. Yep. Um, if you're listening to this in the future, just go to our Instagram page and find it. Um, in honor of St. Patty's Day. In honor of St. Patrick's Day, we wanted to do a, we wanted to do a drunk history, but we also kind of wanted a reason to get drunk and like. Other than our lives. Other than our sad, depressing lives. We haven't got drunk at home together since like early pandemonium days. <laughs> pandemonium it doesn't feel right to say a pandemic <laughs> i don't like how it sounds in my mouth i'm like <laughs> why does she keep calling it a pandemonium i mean i get it but i also don't um yeah we we haven't really drank at home i don't usually drink at home like ever and then when the pandemic hit last year in the beginning i was just like we fuck it to. like we had to because yeah. we were very used to like living for the weekend and having like a little bit of that release and that yeah. en- endorphin rush by going out and we couldn't do that anymore. So we just kind of like substituted it, but it got old real fast. Yeah. I will tell you that last weekend when I was out of the state and in a different state and I got to go to a bar until 2 a.m., <laughs> it was the most fun I've ever I've had in a year. Like it was just so crazy and so weird because it felt so normal and mm-hmm. I'm not used to that anymore. Um, so yeah, I definitely miss going out to bars, but we're drunk at home tonight for the TikTok challenge and because we wanted to do a drunk history episode. So we're going to do our best. We, this has taken us like three hours. So yeah, <laughs> it's been an emotional roller coaster <laughs> of drunk to not drunk to drunk again to not drunk to drunk again (laughs) and now I don't know where we are now I feel like we got to like this weird emotional place that like we're not in the like the peak of our drunkness to make I think I'm still in my peak episode well but it is 10 27 p.m oh my gosh it's daylight savings tomorrow so we're gonna spring forward tonight yeah fuck our lives so we lose an hour of sleep yeah so at least it's Sunday. At two, it's gonna spring forward to three. Yikes. I think. Yeah. Well, that's nice though. I'm really glad it's gonna be light out later because I run in the evenings. Yeah. And uh, I'd really not. I really like to not be scared on my runs if I go any later than I have been. The other day, I was running down. Uh, this main street. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna name it for safety purposes. Yes. That we live on. Like by the swamp, uh-huh. and the swamp, you know <laughs> like we're about. Shrek. We're like we're in Louisiana. We're definitely in San Diego, but we live by a swamp. Get swamp out land. my swamp! Get out, Miss Swamp! <laughs> Donkey, Donkey. Um, but I was running down, and it was like kind of dusk, twilighty, and this car pulls up behind me, like along the curb, and just kind of cruises at my jogging pace. I hate that so much. And I I looked over. I gave them the worst stank eye ever. Like, few times. They just kept following me for, like, I don't know, maybe 100 feet on the road along the curb. That's Turn, so too many. Turns out they were just going to park there, I guess. Yeah. But they pulled over way, very inappropriately too soon 
to be aligned with me jogging. Yeah. And it was just another example of me just feeling uncomfortable around men. Yeah. <laughs> in general. So anyway, I don't know why I brought that up, but <laughs> I don't know either. I literally can't even think about what happened five minutes ago. Can't remember what happened five minutes ago. Let's talk about what happened three hundred years ago. Um, more than more than three hundred okay, years so ago. So we're gonna try to go through we're not gonna do like specific stories because we're not trying to rip off drunk history that yeah. much. But so we're, what we're going to do is go through a little bit of a timeline of just wacky things that have happened in history yeah. and talk about them to the best of our ability. Yes. Right now with limited notes. Yes. <laughs> I literally scrambled for like notes just on each like event that I sent you that like I put together. Yeah. Because I didn't have anything other than the names of these events. <laughs> so I was just like. So there's a few that you added to the list uh-huh. that I didn't know anything about. I didn't get any notes. You're just going to be driving on your own for that one. It's going to be real bad. <laughs> I'm excited. So starting off in the year 1518. <laughs> Wait, you have to get more space. I can't edit something like that. You said it all in one breath. <laughs> starting off, drunk history, drunk, some dumb chicks edition. In the year 1518, 1518. with the infamous dancing plague. For those who don't know, there was a plague. <laughs> of dancing? Who would have thought? Of people. that It supposedly claimed 400 lives. Not like 400 people died. I think so. 400 people participated. No, I think they died. I don't think people died. It, why is it a plague then if people didn't die? Because it's just... They pl- they got plagued. What's the <laughs> definition of a plague? I don't know. Let me Google it. It's an infectious disease. Dancing is an infectious disease. But it doesn't mean that they die. No. Oh. Well, I don't know how many people died then. <laughs> I think some did. I think some did, right? I think there's like conspiracies about if people dance to death. I think people died. I'm pretty sure there was an article. Like I said, we have limited notes, so I can't. I'm not going to reference. You shouldn't reference anymore on your phone either. That's against the law. You asked me the definition of a plague. Well, I thought you just knew it. Yeah, let me just. No more phonesies. Okay. 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 Oh, my God. I'm so sorry for our listeners. This is so. I'm not. They knew what they signed up for. If they Did they, though? Because we've never done this before. You don't want, do you want to hang out with us when we're drunk? I don't think you do. All right. Um, so anyway, <laughs> it was in Strasbourg and it started supposedly, this is all hearsay because nobody knows. It was 1519. It was, it, so. Yeah. It was a long time ago. 1518. Sorry. Nobody's alive to tell us today <laughs> if this was real or not. Woman, Frau Trophea. Frau Trophea, I think is what her name was called. <laughs> and she was the first person documented as starting this yeah, infectious these, disease all, of dancing. She stepped into the street it. and she just began to silently twist and twirl and shake. Just hanging out, doing her own silent disco on her own to the music inside of her mind. <laughs> Okay. Nobody else knew what she was dancing to. but And then people joined her, though. Eventually, yeah, about three dozen people <laughs> joined her. And within a month, 
400 people died. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. 400 people died. <laughs> I think they did. I really do. No. My notes say active 400 people dance for days. That's what my notes but say. But you don't die from dancing. I think if you're not eating or drinking water, you'll die. <laughs> anyway, um... I also wrote down something that at first they embraced it and they brought in professional dancers and built a stage for this. I don't have that. They straight up were like, hey, let's make this a festival like Coachella. And then they got freaked out by it. And then, yes, they did because it was such a phenomenon that started in July and lasted until September. Yeah. That they were like, we need to send you people away. This is way too much dancing. Yeah, they like it's brought in causing visit. people to die. <laughs> I don't think anybody died. I'm pretty sure they did. But they brought in physicians and even the church. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, we need to figure out what's going on with these people. And so didn't they like hospitalize people? They sent them like, away to the mountains to pray for absolution. Oh my God. They were like, you can't dance here. Go dance in the mountains and pray about it. If you're not dead. <laughs> um, but so nobody really knows why it started, but there are a couple of theories from like scientists and uh-huh. historians that were saying that there's one theory that there was this Catholic saint who could curse you with dancing. <laughs> not the worst curse. There's worse curses out there. I guess so. I know that because it's not a curse <laughs> unless it kills you. <laughs> um, I just don't want to dance until I die. Like that in theory sounds kind of enjoyable, but like I feel like after day like four, I'm not going to be having fun anymore if I'm just compelled to dance and do nothing else. Yeah, there's a Buffy once more with feeling reference in there somewhere, but moving on. And so people thought that like this Catholic saint was cursing all these people and it It's always the Catholics. It caused so much like stress hysteria that other people just also decided Started dancing. They thought that they were cursed as well like it was like self-inflicted curse. Cuz they were like I must have been cursed too. I got to dance. I just can't help myself. <laughs> so that was one theory. Another theory is that there was a uh, toxic mold in the rye at the mm-hmm. time and that was ingested by Frau Tofea the woman at first um and I don't know maybe she gave the rye to other people or like they all just had communal rye or maybe they, they just were, wanted to be like her maybe they were like I got a feeling deep inside my soul that I gotta dance with you Justin Timberlake I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I got I got this feeling inside my I didn't even realize I was doing that. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely did that. (laughs) Tell you lose control, right? Something like that? All right, so Justin Timberlake was the Catholic saint, apparently. (laughs) The Dancing Plague of 1518. Um, Up next, we have tulip mania from the 1600s. (laughs) I don't have a ton on this, and it's not as, like, dramatic. Well, maybe it's more dramatic as... um, the dancing plague but this is just (laughs) something weird that happened in the 1600s where the price of tulip bulbs skyrocketed like 400 percent yeah it was like the first case of inflation of assets in recorded history yeah 
And I just have that. I like literally couldn't find very much information about it. I just think it's wild that people were literally trading tulip bulbs for 10 times an annual salary. So like you could work for 10 years, save every single bit of your income and get one one tulip bulb. Yeah. Why? I don't know. My only notes about this phenomenon is that it happened in the Dutch Republic, which was the first formal stock exchange slash stock market. Yeah. And that the main reason like tulip bulbs like skyrocketed in popularity was because they could handle harsher conditions. Mm-hmm. And someone from the Ottoman Empire sent them out to people to be like, oh, yeah, look at how cool. Look at how amazing these flower bulbs are. Don't you want to buy them? And that's literally what oh, happened. Oh, it's amazing marketing. <laughs> and people love them because, like, the tulip flowers, like, their colors were different, I yeah. guess, than the majority of the flowers that were They were available. just, like, more vibrant at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, a sign of status if you had tulip bulb to, or you planted tulips. Yeah. But tulip bulbs were the fourth leading export <laughs> during this time period. It's just wild. Like, Behind they're not gin edible. and herrings and cheese. Yeah. Like flower? Just flower a flower. Bulbs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tulips of all things. Um, yeah. I was in, I have seen tulips in Amsterdam, like tulip fields, and they are very pretty. But that's all I have to say about them. Yeah, but I'm not going to spend. I'm not going to spend 10 years worth of income on <laughs> one. Uh, that's just wild. Like that was the first time that inflation was really seen, like similar to what we would say like Bitcoin is right now. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really hold a whole ton of, like, physical value for, like, livelihood. Yeah. But it can be worth such extreme I'm going to link this to another topic that we're going to talk about. Tulips were the flower of the 1600s. Peace, love, and tulips. (laughs) (laughs) Moving into the 1700s, right? Yeah, with... Everyone's favorite, Paul Revere. Paul Revere and his famous midnight ride where he informed the Americans that the British are coming. The British are coming. Which is false because guess what? All of the colonialists were British. So it wouldn't have made sense to be like the British are coming. So he technically said... He technically said the regulars are coming. What? That's what he said. I did not know that. He did not say the British. He said the regulars are coming. All right. So you just better correct everybody next time you hear somebody make the reference of the British are coming. Yeah. Why would you talk about regular people are coming? (laughs) Ew. (laughs) We don't want to be regular. But anyway, I learned, and this actually might not be completely true but it's fun to think about in terms of drunk history that one article i read well a few articles i read and common practice of telling the story is that paul revere was on his way um to tell the americans i don't know who or where because i can't remember (laughs) um (laughs) somewhere in the original 13 colonies colonies (laughs) colonies Um, he was, he was going from one place to another <laughs> on a horse. Um, and on his, and he was supposed to just like show up at somebody's house and be like, yo, on the DL, the, They're coming. the regulars are about to roll up. <laughs> but he decided to stop at his friend's house, which was conveniently on the way. Mr. Isaac Hall. 
And he got drank. Isaac Hall coincidentally owned a rum distillery. Yes. I think in his home or near his home. And so Paul was like, yeah, I want to try some of your rum because I'm here just conveniently stopping by. I have this big, you know, important message that I have to deliver. It's going to change the course of United States history as we know it. But let's, you know, let's do a little tasting. So Paul got hammered, allegedly. And he had a little bit of liquid courage, which is okay for the time. George Washington said that or he believed that a cup of rum would <laughs> mean the difference between a tired soldier and one ready to fight for his country. So like rum was the thing to give you confidence. Like it was everybody was a rum enthusiast because it was going to make you a better soldier. I mean, it Ge- gives you courage. Georgie boy is not wrong. He ain't wrong. I don't like when him. I get drunk. <laughs> we talked rum. about this. I don't know drunk Victoria. Like, I don't know. I'm going to edit this episode and be like, who was that talking? That's not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're different people. Liquid courage is a real thing. I definitely have many, many, many encounters. <laughs> many. So many encounters where I'm like, I never would have done that if I was stone cold sober. And like, we're not, we're saying just drink responsibly. Right. But. Maybe don't get on the back of your horse and then go through the town yelling the British are coming for everybody to wake up and be like, oh, shit, mass panic. Yeah. Because the British are coming. Like he was literally instructed to give this message on the DL. Yeah. And he got drunk. It's like when Ring you're out, the alarm. It's like when you're out and like you get drunk and then you see like a really attractive person and you think you're turning around and whispering to your friends. <laughs> is he cute? Yeah. Is he cute? And But really you're yelling, he's cute. Yeah. So anyway, Paul Revere, good looking out, bro. Like you did, you did the job. You still got it done. But you definitely got like captured too. But don't drink and deliver important messages. Again, not bad advice. True. <laughs> um. So after Paul Revere gets drunk or not drunk, accounts are. There's different. Accounts are blurry. Again, yeah. this is 1700s. We don't know. Nobody's alive <laughs> to tell know. us. But after Paul Revere does that, eventually the United States gets formed. You know, it's great. We have our colonies. And in Salem, New Jersey, the people get a little bit weird about <laughs> a specific fruit, which I just want to point out this is happening in Salem because I feel like weird shit happens in any town named Salem. Like people are just a little bit cuckoo for cocoa puffs um so in 1820 there ends up being a court case at salem new jersey aka the people versus tomatoes (laughs) what did the tomatoes do (laughs) so so tomatoes were a fairly new import i guess i don't know where they were coming from oh my gosh now i want to know where did tomatoes come from (laughs) so they were fairly new to the colonialist colonists to new jersey (laughs) yeah to salem new jersey and they were thought to be poisonous and also they were wary of them because tomatoes were an aphrodisiac did you know that um, no, I didn't know that. I was going to try to front and be like, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, why would tomatoes be an aphrodisiac? <laughs> Never in my life have I been like, you know what really gets me going? Tomatoes. <laughs> so people didn't like them because they thought they were poisonous and because they were an aphrodisiac. Of course. 
So the town put them on trial. What? How? <laughs> they can't even defend themselves. Did they hire a lawyer? Like, I don't understand. What do you, how do you put know. an inanimate object on trial? I don't know. The, the details of the actual trial <laughs> are blurry. This is giving me a headache. <laughs> so, but they put them on trial to answer for their toxicity. Okay, I do know, I think that tomatoes do have like a certain level of toxicity. Yeah, they do. Like there's toxins in them, but they're mm-hmm. not super harmful to humans. But there's this guy, Col- Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson. What a name, by the way. Like, let's just stick with one name. One. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he didn't believe it because and he ate them all the time and so the people he was of high town, on tomato the people of this town salem new jersey thought he was a lunatic because he was constantly high on tomatoes. tomato <laughs> yeah and so he ate a whole basket at the trial in front of everybody to prove them wrong and when he so, didn't okay. die everyone believed him and then five years later in like or not five years later, maybe a little bit longer than that, like maybe 10 years. Maybe five minutes, could be five hours, could be five years, you don't know. At some point. At some point down the line. At some point, after the tomatoes are free and clear of all charges against them, tomatoes are used in ketchup as medicine. People use ketchup as medicine. Wait. <laughs> Over what the like? What? I have no idea. That's where my notes end. They're like, so. we're gonna get high on tomato. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an entire town of people was like, no more tomatoes, no more tomatoes. And somebody else was like, there's nothing wrong with eating a bunch of tomatoes. And then everybody else was like, a bunch of tomatoes will actually cure whatever ailment you just came to me for. Yes, exactly. Huh. Imagine living in a world where ketchup's on trial. No more tomatoes. Like I'm seeing like literally picket lines in this town. And everybody's like, free the tomato. Free everyone the tomato. Thought, no, like there's only one guy. Like everyone else thought he was crazy. And so he mm. just like. Well, I know tomatoes are very high in vitamin C. So maybe they just make you healthier. Let us know if you're pro-tomato or anti-tomato in the comments. And let us know if you know of anyone that never used ketchup as medicine. And more Uh, tomatoes. Yeah, no. Well, the tomatoes, they're fine. They were absolved of all crimes. (laughs) Against humanity. It's not their fault they're an aphrodisiac. It's not. How how are they an aphrodisiac? Anyways, I don't want to know, actually. Don't answer that. We can put it through testing. Um, so that was in the 1820s in Salem, New Jersey. And then in 1839, there's a weird thing that happened. It's <laughs> called the Honey War. <laughs> but I can't figure out why it's called the Honey War. I figured it out. I tied there's it back together. It's very strange. Trees. With trees bees. have to do with it. Yeah. So um, the Honey War was happened in the United States. And it was a bloodless territorial dispute over the border between Iowa and Missouri. Basically, there's like this big misunderstanding about the Louisiana Purchase of like where these states were supposed to be. And people were like, this is Missouri. <laughs> Other people were like, this is Iowa. Bitch, this is Iowa. <laughs> so they literally 
They literally stood, they deployed soldiers on both sides of this like imaginary border that like literally didn't even fully exist yet. Yeah. And we're like, there was a standoff for a while. I don't remember how long. It was so tense, right? Um, people were like trying to arrest people. Yeah. On the wrong side. Or they were like, you, okay, well, if this is Missouri, then you have to pay Missouri taxes. And three trees in question were on in the middle of this imaginary uh, no man's land of like, we don't know. We, nobody's decided yet, really, if it's Missouri or It's not imaginary. Though. Iowa. It's real. They were real trees. <laughs> <laughs> but these trees were in this area and... Yeah. um. Somebody, I don't know who, decided to remove, or maybe they started to fight to remove the trees. Who knows? I think were, he, I feel like he did it out of protest. Like I feel. Like I think he, so. Somebody said, "Yeah." I this, think he was a Missouri, 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 Missouri. Is that the right word? I believe so. Oh my god, that's miserable. Missouri, Missouri. Okay. Yeah, that guy from Missouri. I think he did it in protest to be like, "No, this is our land. I can chop down the trees if I want to." Well, they decided that the the well they discovered <laughs> they decided they discovered that these trees had beehives in them. Yeah, and that if they claimed the trees as their own like state property. They could get the honey tax from the beehives. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, and that's that's just how it that's ends. That's literally it. That's literally it. I don't know how they decided where the border was. I'm pretty sure they just kind of like made a compromise and was like, "This is it." Yeah, the like only who thing, goes to Missouri and Iowa though? Honestly, the only thing I remember from this particular event is that. People were like, oh, yeah, the land surveyor, he did, he fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. he did a really bad job. That's basically all the notes that I got was, like, whoever tried to make the lines between these states didn't know what the F they were doing. Yeah, they just, um, yeah, they surveyed over something that was already surveyed. And it was just called the honey wart because of those, like, three trees the that three had trees beehives in them. That they could collect the honey tax. Crazy for. to me. Save the bees. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock in the p.m. In the p.m. After the honeybees. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait. What are we waiting for? The honey war. <laughs> okay. What do you have next? After the honey war, I have <laughs> the great sheep panic of yeah. 1888. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) this is fucking weird it's just like a strange phenomenon where it was one november night i don't think i wrote down the location do you have the country um southern england okay in england there's a lot of sheep out there (laughs) never been there so i will take your word for it um one november night thousands of sheep at the same time the same evening (laughs) spontaneously bust out of their corrals and they weren't found until the next day and they 200 miles away yeah and they were found like frightened they They were panicked they were super panicked reports say that they were still panting heavily breathing scared some of them were cowering under bushes together it was 
so traumatic for these poor sheep. And what? How do they get 200 miles away? I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like it's aliens. No, investigation said it couldn't have been any group of people because who could have thousands of sheep, sheep in one night? And so they basically ruled it as like a phenomenon due to the weather the night before, like yeah. a scary storm, just scary. They said out all there was sheep. just it was a really dark night. <laughs> They said there was no moon or anything. And flashes of lightning just scared the sheep to run 200 miles. I don't believe it. I there was If there was flashes of light, it was from a UFO that abducted them. And they did test on these poor sheep and scared them and then dropped them 200 miles away from their home. I'm so sad for them. It stresses me out to think about. The poor sheeps. I 200 miles. So scared. <laughs> they were so scared. <laughs> what so happened? They go running. They were like, no, see you later. I, just don't Adam. Th- I don't even think it's physically possible for a sheep to run 200 miles in one <laughs> evening. I also don't think it's physically possible. I don't think it's physically possible for most animals to run 200 miles in one night. No. Yeah. Like maybe a cheetah, but but like they're even like sprinters. They could I don't. They wouldn't last two hundred miles. <laughs> no, get tired. And how are these sheep's not tired? They were still so scared. I just think it was aliens. <laughs> That's my deduction. Imagine just waking up and just finding a sheep just panting like <laughs> with like big huge eyes and maybe their tongues sticking out a little bit. Um but yeah, so basically after 1888 we're heading into the 19th 1900s 20 20th century cuz centuries are before. Mm-hmm. What do you have next? Um I have the 1919 <laughs> Boston molasses disaster. All right. I don't know nothing about this. You may have heard of the Boston Tea Party, but have you heard of the Boston molasses disaster? Chances are you haven't. There was something about molasses with rum production during the Paul Revere days. Yeah. It was like So people are still drinking a lot of rum, and I guess you need molasses for rum, but... You do. And so in 1919, 2.3 million gallons... Of molasses in a tank burst. <laughs> and so you have oh, two point do know about this. You have two point three million gallons of molasses spewing through the streets of Boston. The molasses doesn't move that fast. So it's <laughs> exactly. just like a slow tidal wave. But but the best part or the worst part, depending on how you look at history is that this disaster killed 21 people and injured 150 people. So more casualties than the dancing plague, according to you. <laughs> 21 people died from the molasses in the streets. Versus, like, like you said, it moves slow. They didn't see it coming towards them and be like, I should get out of here. I don't know. Maybe like, <laughs> maybe they were in a car <laughs> or and like the car wouldn't start. Or like they came down in an elevator and it was already in the building and the elevator doors just open and <laughs> they were consumed. It's 1919. Were elevators around? It's a good question. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Me neither. And I'm not allowed to check my phone. There was some types of uh, freight lift lift thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it 
killed that many people. It killed 21 people. But there were also like nurses diving into the molasses to find people to like try to save them. Hmm. Can you <laughs> swim through molasses? Like I think once it would it's, be like really slow. It'd be like, wow. Like so much energy. So like, yeah, I kind of just feel like if it's upon you. Gotta let it take you. You're not going to get out of it. <laughs> like you missed your chance. You could have definitely escaped it five minutes ago, but. Yeah. And so that happened and it took four days to complete like their search and rescue. Four days, because that's how, like, thick it is. What do they do with all the molasses? There was, like, a ship that, like, they parked up to the side of Boston, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It had, like, salt. Get in, kids. We're going molasses dumping. (laughs) No, they, like, sprayed, like, certain, like, uh, like a saline water type of thing on it. To dilute it? Yeah. Like, just kind of make it wash down the sewers? Yeah, but it was still super sticky. And it was still, everything was tinted like brown. Like that molasses. sounds miserable. And people still say like to this day, like during like summer, like a hot, humid summer that they'll still smell molasses. What does molasses smell like? I'm picturing like maple syrup, syrup yeah. but I don't think that's right. It's not like maple syrup, but it's like a syrupy, like sugary, sweet smell. That I don't sounds like. miserable. Like I don't like being sticky at yeah. all. I don't want to like live my Imagine life. dying. Imagine that being your cause of death. Like you drown in <laughs> sticky. You inhaled molasses. You. That sounds like a sleep paralysis nightmare for sure. Yeah. You're welcome. Cool. 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 That cool. Was cool. 19- cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was in 1919. So <laughs> I think next up we have 1932. Which is. The Great Emu War. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking weird. There was a war with emus. And uh, dear listener, I know podcasts are not a visual medium, but if you know what an emu looks like, it's like a big ass bird, like almost an ostrich. Sounds terrifying. And in Australia, their population of emus in 1932 became so overwhelming that it was like destroying farms and crops so people were like submitting requests to the city to like take care of these fucking emus get them out of here they actually put they deployed soldiers military yeah soldiers militia (laughs) to take care of the emus and there was like several attempts i didn't write all this down because it was a really long article but it was like Strategic, like military strategy was used on thousands of emus. They used guns against these birds. They were literally like, okay, well, we're going to strike at like this certain time because they seem to be a little bit more docile at this point. And then they discovered that like certain packs of emus had leader emus. That's terrifying. This is this is my nightmare. Yeah. And then we're like analyzing all of this like it's literally war against Big birds. That's scary. I mean, birds can... The amount of birds... Like, if you just think about birds... Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> we're not... No, we're not going it's down that It's scary, right? So they were actually... Like, people were legitimately terrified. And, like, livelihoods were being ruined because there were so many <laughs> big birds taking over Western Australia. Yep. Um, That, like... Okay, so it lasted from November 2nd to December 10th. 
like this initiative to wipe out the emus. And while they did kill like a large number of these birds, these big ass birds, the emus actually ended up winning. Like they did not, their population didn't suffer at all because of this. They said we resist. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, oh, you're going to try to outsmart us. We have leaders. I don't fuck with Australia though. Nope. (sighs) Yeah. Australians. I love you. You're probably the funniest people ever. But I'm not, I'm probably not going to come visit. So that ends the great emu war, (laughs) which we don't even know if it's technically ended. It could still be going on. I think there might still be a soldier uh, (laughs) branch. What do they call that? Like a certain special cavalry cavalry, maybe. (laughs) Um, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones, like a certain task force for (laughs) for emu. Uh-huh. Retention. Oh. Retention? <laughs> Prevention? Remo. I don't know. Mm. Domination. <laughs> Curbing their population. We'll just call it that. And then, um, so that's going on in Australia in 1932. Meanwhile, in America in 1930s, we're going through prohibition. Oh, we're just like, no, you know what? And I found this interesting because I feel like I always thought prohibition meant like no drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. but it didn't mean like no drinking alcohol. It just meant like no producing and no selling alcohol. Where would they get the alcohol to drink? They make it themselves. No one knows. Well, yeah, <laughs> illegally they yeah. make it themselves. Mm-hmm. That's where moonshine comes from. Um, but so in 1933, prohibition finally ends, but at the same time, (laughs) so many belches, (laughs) but at the same time that prohibition ends, there is some sort of, I don't reporting. I don't really know how they found this out, but at the same time of prohibition ending, 10,000 people are dead due to alcohol poisoning. Uh-oh. And it's not like your standard alcohol poisoning, like, oh, these people just drank too much or like this is a bad batch of alcohol because like you said, like they were making it at home and everything like mm-hmm. that. The U.S. government was poisoning alcohol. Like so they were producing it somehow. Yeah. So they were producing it and they were like they were breaking their own law. They were poisoning alcohol that they knew like bootleggers or like thieves were taking from these like factories and they were poisoning those ones specifically so that way whoever was stealing them would go out and like resell them and like basically poison these populations all right so, like damage your like source yeah so they're well, like, well i'm not gonna get alcohol from this smuggler ever again because he kills people basically. yeah and like their main thing was like they literally just wanted to poison people to try and get people to stop their illicit drinking. Because like I said, like drinking was not illegal during Prohibition. It was just like the production and the selling of alcohol that was illegal. Prohibition makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Like what were we trying to do? (laughs) I have no idea. But I just found that very interesting. And like it's actually there's a term coined to the U.S. government poisoning alcohol and it's called the chemist war of prohibition Hmm. because they had literally like chemists going in and committing mass murder yeah 
basically. 10,000 people. nobody was ever, like, charged. No. They just stopped talking about it. That's literally what happened, is, like, people caught on as to, like, what was happening, but people just stopped talking about it. That is And that's what happened. Yeah, the government's always been corrupt and shady. Yeah. So that's what happened at the end of Prohibition, because, like, you think it's so great, like, they're doing all of us a favor, but in reality, they had just killed 10,000 people. Which back then I don't really know what the population was looking like, but that's probably still significant. significant. Yeah. And then after prohibition, well, it's technically I want to say is it during prohibition? It's kind of right during prohibition. It's gonna lead me into the 1950s, which is the phone booth stuffing craze. <laughs> but right before that weird ass phenomenon, there was another one in the 1930s, which was the goldfish swallowing. Oh yeah, challenge, I saw this one too. Which. I feel like in recent years, as like was also like famous because of Steve like from Jackass. Jackass yeah, because I remember they definitely did this. Yeah, but so in the 1930s, um, there was this guy. I don't even know his name, but there was this guy that was in the student like council or like the student like ASB ASB type of thing yeah. and he was like doing an assembly and he was bragging about how he would do anything for like the his, vote or yeah, like, the vote and like for like the student body and all this stuff and then he was also bragging at the same time about the time that he swallowed a goldfish mm-hmm. people were like oh yeah well then prove it so he did it and it started this weird, crazy phenomenon where people just yeah, like, swallowed goldfish. It's essentially the Tide Pod Challenge <laughs> of the 1950s. Fucking weird. Yeah. Um, and so it didn't even just like... So it spread like wildfire where all these people... I think he was even on the cover of Time Magazine. What? Like... They had it back then? Yeah. So he crazy. was... Yeah, he was on the cover of Time Magazine for like this movement he created, with, which was the Goldfish Swallowing Challenge. And then it didn't even end at, like, can you do this? Or, like, will you swallow a goldfish hole? It was, like, how many can you swallow? No. And, like, they don't survive. I don't right? think so. I don't know. I mean, My only reference to this can't, is Unless Steve-o you throw them up, it. right? I've seen, I feel like I saw a video of yeah. somebody throwing it up and it was still alive. Yeah, like, Sibo swallowed it and then he regurgitated it back yeah. up and put it, like, back in its, like, bowl or whatever. Ugh. Anyway, disgusting. disgusting. But uh, yeah, you're just eating fish. Yeah. Whole fish. Whole live fish. Yeah. Ugh. I'm so grossed out. It's fucking weird. Like, I get that, like, we've done weird challenges. Like, I get, like, the Tide Pod Challenge, stupid. Like, you're poisoning yourself. Yeah. I get, like, the ALS, like, Ice Bucket Challenge, like, for, like, a charity charity. type of stuff. Yeah, that goes viral. But, like, just to do it. Well, like, even, like, the Harlem Shake. Yeah. Or, like, the Mannequin Challenge and stuff like that. It's It's not like you're doing anything to harm any living creature. Or yourself. Yeah. At that point, yeah. Very weird. And the only reason, well, not the only reason, it started to slow down and die down and everything like that, but the state of Massachusetts where it started actually ended up having to, like, issue, like, a ban on consuming goldfish because people were continuing to do it. Jesus Christ. And then after the 1930s, then we get into the phone stuffing Challenge. Yeah, I don't really know too much about this, but it was another like viral craze of people seeing how many humans you could fit into a phone booth at one time. So, yeah, it was just something that went around. It was super weird. And too. You would, yeah, there was like picture. You would take a picture of it, 
and yeah. just be like, look at how many people he got in his phone booth. Yeah, you like wanted to brag, like you wanted to win. It's to like, see. um, do you remember what's it? Um, what was the challenge we would do where you just like lay flat on something? Planking. Planking. <laughs> oh yeah, like the planking challenge. You like, I needed to get a picture of my plank, and it's gonna be like yeah. the best plank ever. Like that was the thing. People yeah. would be like, let's all get as many people as we can into this phone booth. Like yeah. up to like, I don't even know. I think I saw something about like uh, one college claim they did up to 40 people, but it ended up being like debunked. Like they weren't in like There's a standard no way. size. Yeah. But like they were like they were like college students usually and they were using like math, like geometry and like different That's things interesting. to try to like figure out how they could fit more spatially like yeah. what to do. All right. Okay. They were also, I don't know, like, who it was specifically or, like, if it was just, like, the act itself, but that was also featured in Time Magazine. Oh. Which was interesting to me. Time Magazine's been around for so long. Yeah. I had no idea. In the 1990s, I have the Beanie Babies. Um, <laughs> The only thing I want to know about the 1990s Beanie Babies is that it's very reminiscent of the tulip mania. Yeah. And that it is these things that don't have any real value <laughs> to your life. Like, you owning them does not add anything other than you think you're going to get money for them one day. Um, but I found it very interesting when I was looking into like the Beanie Babies craze is that there was like organized crime groups that like had them hoarded in their like lairs, like when like there were like cop busts or whatever like that, like something like, like drug that. busts and yeah, stuff. like they would find Beanie Babies and there's this one account of this one like cop I don't know what type of cop he was but he's interviewed and he's saying like yeah after the after the bus I saw this beanie baby on the ground in the middle of the floor and I just thought what is it doing down there it's worth so much more than this wow which is crazy because it's a fucking beanie baby oh my gosh Um, I'm just like picturing gangsters like with a (laughs) shelf of beanie babies like maybe like a safe of beanie babies yeah they're like must protect the platypus of (laughs) 1992 at all costs because it's worth millions today like why not just sell it like yeah i have no idea and then there was like this beanie baby bandit that stole like 200 different beanie babies from where resell them i don't know where he was selling them from but or stealing them from but he was stealing 200 beanie babies jesus well i know that like at one point we did have a beanie baby that was worth a couple hundred dollars i think it was probably like the princess diana one like the purple bear that one was worth a lot of no, money. we had like a platypus oh it was a purple platypus oh. um and i remember like years later i my mom sent me this article about beanie babies she was like didn't you have this one and i was like I swear you still have this one at our house somewhere, yeah. like in the toy chest. You need to look for it because it was worth like several thousand dollars or something. Yeah. I don't think we ever found it. People just went crazy for Beanie Babies. They're the same still, way that, they still can be sold. Yeah. For the like same way that like money. the tulip bulbs went, like people went crazy for those for no apparent reason mm-hmm. other than it just kind of. Like, socially, like, it looks like you need to own these things, so you need to buy them. It's like a sign of status for no reason. Yeah, absolutely. But the toy giant Ty, which was the creator 
founder of like Beanie Babies. Mm-hmm. They came up. They came under a lot of scrutiny because it appeared that they were like manipulating the market because they were going after competitors that had similar ideas or like similar names. Even like there's a different company that had a similar name to tie, and they just went after them and like issued like a cease and desist to them. Hmm. So. Eventually, they ended up, like, announcing, like, they were ending Beanie Babies. Like, they haven't produced them. They did a couple of, like, new millennium type of ones in the early 2000s. Do you have millions of dollars because of your Beanie Baby trades? (laughs) I don't know. Your Beanie Baby trades. (laughs) Um, But after the 1990s, the only, like, relevant recent moment of history that I feel that is worth mentioning in in any drunk history episode (laughs) is the party that inspired Project X. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, I love that movie. And then just to find out that that was an actual massive house party um, that also took place in Australia. Yes, Australia. So, you guys be wildin'. You are wildin'. I don't know if I even want to party with you because <laughs> that's this party that happened in 2008, which uh, that was the year I graduated. Were you, did you graduate 08 or 09? 09. Yeah, so coming of age for mm-hmm. us at the time, um, Corey Delaney threw a house party And some of his friends just decided, like, hey, like, let's make this a little bit bigger. We're going to post your address of your parents' house online. Yeah. Because his parents were out of town. That's why they had a party. And over 500 people showed up. Like, I don't even know what kind of house. Maybe, like, some celebrities in Hollywood and stuff could accommodate something like this. But in Australia, I'm not so sure. 500 people took over this neighborhood in australia yeah and eventually it got so out of control that like police riot or riot police police riot (laughs) riot police were deployed and i guess footage from the party made it onto the news and went viral before his parents even knew yeah that he had had the party and this there was this crazy interview with the kid he seemed like a total d bag. He did. He was just like, I don't even know what happened. Like, he's I was like, just it's not so my fault. Like, it. they told me to stay in my house so that I wouldn't get in trouble. Like, everybody else outside my house is they're the perpetrators, not yeah. me. He was such a douche. And like, the newscaster was like, "Can you take off your sunglasses?" Like, he's literally doing the interview in sunglasses, and his shirt is unbuttoned and like in a hat or something. And he was like. Yeah, no, I don't really, I don't care to take off my sunglasses. I think that they look nice. And she was like, do you care about anything? Like, he's just such a douche. Like, yeah, such a spoiled a kid. asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he got fined, or his parents probably more so paid the price of $20,000 from the city. Yeah. For this epic party. Which, I think that's $20,000 US, which is a lot more in Australia. Yeah. So, that's a lot of money. Either way, even if it's just US dollars, $20,000 is still a I lot. I can't pay that right now. Like, no. <laughs> no, I can't even pay 50 And What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, that whole story is crazy to me. And, like, the fact, like, w- growing up, I feel threw a lot of crazy parties because my dad was out of the country a lot. Yeah. And like, I think the craziest party I ever threw had a hundred people. I can't imagine 400 people like 500 people. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Like 400 more on top of the hundred at my existing party. And like, 
we can get into the story another time. But at that said party, my car got stolen. So it's from just your like, own house, from my own house, from my own party, um, along with other important items. Mm-hmm. But it's just like crazy to me. Like, I want to know what other like because I was trying to find like what damage happened. Yeah. And it was just like down the street, like like mailboxes were messed up and like cars were bashed in. Like people just didn't have any regard but it's just so crazy to me because it's like, how do you get 500 people? Even if you're in Australia, like most of Australian people don't live like out, like in the areas where there's a ton of space. Like they're still very suburban. Like, yeah. How do you get 500 people into one street that are all just like, Oh, we heard about it on MySpace. Like fucking MySpace. Uh, so 2008 was like the height yeah. of MySpace. Too. I, I think that was the first year. I think that was like the first year I got MySpace. Really? Like, I was a junior and I, I remember Yeah, I think it. I remember like making it. I had MySpace for a while before yeah. that, but I remember making some of my friends MySpaces like around and that it, time. But it's just so true because like back then, like you, like if you were having a party, because let me tell you, I threw probably like five to seven different parties at that house. I never invited people to my parties. They I invited I invited my three friends, like yeah. my three, three close friends, and they either posted about it on social media, which back then was MySpace, right. or they texted everybody. Yeah. We would like post a bulletin and be like, party tonight, yeah. text me for details. And that was it. Yeah. And so just what like, we did. I believe that, like, I believe that, like, the power of social media can make all these people show up. But the fact that it's 500 people <laughs> is crazy because I grew up in a small town. There's no way 500 people could have showed up at my house and like, no, in any capacity and not crazy. and not turn into a riot, which it yeah. clearly did. So, yeah, and I have attended one party where it was shut down by a helicopter. And Humble, I will say that. That's that was hilarious. Crazy. I went to a couple parties out in Humble too, and it just gets weird. And it's funny because, like, all the articles I saw about that because it happened in Australia were like, we know it sounds like some B grade American movie. <laughs> I'm like, you may call it a B grade American movie, but it happened in Australia. Like, we took your guys' incident as like inspiration. Yeah. So. And it made a really good movie. Project Act is a. Project X. So many words coming out of my mouth at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't get them all out. Project X is a good movie. That's what I was going to say. It's a great movie. Uh, But yeah, that kind of brings us up to today. And Victoria's cringing for some reason. I'm tired and drunk and I got snippy. Same, same. Know your name. Victoria. My name is Victoria. <laughs> That's Victoria. And this is Ashley. And this has been Some Dumb Chicks. Sponsored by Some Dumb Chicks. Yeah. If you want to sponsor us or if you're any of those Tinder guys that we told to listen. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, the secret word is platypus. Emu. Oh. <laughs> Either one. If you matched with us, message us the secret word and maybe you'll get a date. I don't know. It's a pandemonium. It's a panda. But we appreciate you tuning in. We, If you made it this far, I appreciate you. Uh, we really didn't know if this would go over very well or how it would 
pan out. We're still not really sure. So let us know if you liked this. By rate, review, subscribe, DM us on the Instagram. Give us all the feedback. We like to talk to you guys. So we love to hear from you guys. And we also just want to end it on a note where you are kind to yourself and kind to others. Okay, bye. We go to sleep now. Good night. Go Mimi's. Thank you.